This is The Long Run Show with Austin P. Wilson and Michael J. O'Connor. The Long Run Show is brought to you by Benzinger Podcasts for listeners like you. Thank you. Welcome back to another episode of The Long Run Show. This is your host, Austin Wilson, along with my co-host, the wonderful Michael J. O'Connor. Yeah. How are you doing today, Mike? Oh, I'm doing great. I am. Uh, I am excited for this episode because we're taking uh, we're taking a little different of approach. This is more of a for fun style. Uh, we've had a lot of serious discussions uh, about the long run, but we've had a couple times where I, I'm pretty sure we've mentioned the possibility of doing an episode like this. I, and I, I don't know if you have. want to be the man who does the announcement of what the episode is yeah, about. Yeah. Yeah, so our, the the idea here, what Mike is is hinting at, is that uh, we've talked about like, oh, what would you do in an apocalypse, or like, what are your worst case scenario stocks that you would buy and hold? So that is the topic of today, and it is going to be a little bit tongue in cheek. Um, we, you know, I don't think the world's ending anytime in the next well 24 hours at least so we're, we're good for then. <laughs> um but i i think it'd be fun to do this because we've we've kind of hinted at it before and it's just kind of an interesting thought experiment because a lot of the times when people are like oh the apocalypse is gonna happen the and you you hear people who are like prepping or whatever and i i think maybe you know the the whole covid situation and supply chain shortages and and all these crazy crazy things going on have kind of shown like, okay, well, you do need to be prepared. But sometimes when you hear people like creating a bunker in their backyard or something, you're like, oh, I don't know about this guy. So it's interesting to, to be like, okay, well, what would you do other than creating a bunker? What, what would you do for your money? How would you prepare for an apocalypse with your money and specifically your, your stocks? Right. So I think the wrong answer probably right off the bat here. Uh, would be for me to just say I'm going to buy the 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 whole market in in an index fund. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm going to say that off the table for both of us. Not that you would ever suggest that. That would just be me. Well, so I'm I mean, going to make a qualify for qualifier good, for myself. A good bet in any apocalyptic scenario would just be out of the money spy puts. <laughs> you could yeah. probably do well. <laughs> Honestly, probably yeah, because everybody would lose their minds on a mass basis, right? So that would that would probably be. But you'd have to you'd have to see it coming, too. So otherwise, they wouldn't. I mean, they wouldn't be out of the money. If yeah, if and I think I think here. for this we have to for our, our lovely listeners, you have to suspend your disbelief a little bit because we're operating on, under the the idea that the markets are somehow not closed. <laughs> like yeah, in, in, yeah, in yeah, all yeah, of yeah. these apocalyptic scenarios, let's let's like imagine do the thought experiment that the markets are still open. Wall Street is still active. Doesn't matter if there's zombies in Goldman headquarters. Like <laughs> everyone's still trading. Like you could still trade, buy and sell stocks. You gotta have Some a battle axe on the the, the trading yeah. floor to to protect yourself as you're calling in trades. Yeah. Okay. So we're gonna just say the markets are open. Um, first scenario, I'm gonna I'm gonna toss at you, Mike. Here is uh, a kind of actually one that's kind of crazily been in the news, but like a nuclear war happens. And mm. we have bombs flying all over the, the U.S. Or, well, yeah, because we're in the U.S. The U.S. and all the major countries are just, everyone's firing off nukes. So basically the main the main areas around the equator, that's been affected. Everything else, kind of the poles are 
which is is ironic. But in this scenario, the poles are unaffected, even though the rest of the the world's going into a uh, a nuclear uh, winter after this uh, after this big war. So we've kind of got the worst case scenario. All the the warm areas of the planet are are being blown up and and are going into this nuclear winter. And you got to kind of figure out what would you want to hold in this scenario. Obviously, I, I don't know exactly how the uh how the markets are staying open but again suspend your disbelief there <laughs> we'll say maybe they're just i don't know they're they're growing extra arms to be more efficient on the trading floor <laughs> inputting trades or something from us radiation anyways okay so okay. nuclear apocalypse the poles are safe you know the 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 far reaches of the northern and southern hemisphere are safe but other than that you know, maybe maybe the the lowest uh, what is it? Chile, I think, is the the most southern part of South America. You know, down there, that that tip of the of the continent is safe. Uh, Australia, New Zealand, those are still kind of active. Um, so I'm giving you some some areas, some geographic areas outside the U.S. But the U.S. is pretty darn affected by this. So, what are your uh, what are your let, let's just say three tickers if you want. Mm, okay, okay, I like I like this because our format is kind of that. We're gonna go back and forth and kind of grill each other on uh, on what right. our picks are to get to get uh, different perspectives on different apocalypse. So so first, okay, so we got a nuclear third world war, nuclear apocalypse. I think my, my natural my natural reaction was to say something like defense stocks, like a Lockheed Martin or a Raytheon or something. But if but by the time that the nukes start hitting, and like you're saying, there's gonna be a there's gonna be a nuclear winter. Defense stock. I don't think defense is the way to go for this. I think the way to go is stocks that are going to do well in that nuclear winter. I think you you got to go for either long run plays. I think this is I think this is specifically at least the way I'm contextualizing this as well is long run stock picks in in each of these apocalyptic scenarios. So this is not like oh boy. <laughs> like we're talking about, you know, out of the money spy puts, I'm sure would do amazing as would I bet there'd be some crazy spike and maybe in Lockheed Martin right now whatever. But I'm I'm going for like a like a three to five year hold on a survival stock. Like yeah, this is gonna this is gonna work in the uh, survival in the stock. Survival I love the alliteration. Yeah. <laughs> so right off the bat, I I had to Google what company makes spam. And I was like, oh, that's gonna be a, a hot commodity. And uh, you know, really, I would imagine that the majority of beef production will be pretty much gone because uh, you kind of need temperate zones to raise cattle um and do that so i think spam is going to be a, a could even be the currency of the future in the nuclear apocalyptic winter and it's hormel so my first pick is nyse good old uh new york stock exchange ticker hrl hormel foods Corp. Hormel. i think okay. you know they've got they've got spam they've got plenty of other foods as well um but i mean i think that you know some a company like that that is producing highly processed products <laughs> you know maybe it's not very attractive today with everyone you know being a little more health conscious but if you, it's either that or eating your your uncle then you know you're probably going to rather <laughs> eat some spam i'd say so i would so. i would choose spam for sure yeah <laughs> hopefully my uncle would too <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so that's my first ticker I, I think hormel foods is a good buy uh, not in financial advice at all, <laughs> yeah, uh, but not. I would go with Hormel Foods for that nuclear winter. Uh, and and I think I feel like their their operations are pretty spread out. That they're probably right. you know even if the majority of the U.S. gets nuked, 
their headquarters, let's see here. I, I like doing a little research behind the scenes too. So their headquarters is in Austin, Minnesota. It's got a population of 25,000. There's a, I would say there's probably a low probability of that getting a direct hit. Um, maybe there's a military base nearby, but I like seeing that. They've got a lot of operations all over kind of the heartland of the U.S. where I would imagine the least amount of damage would be. So, you know, you could theoretically see the company uh, continue to thrive and grow after a, after a situation like that. So that's my, my first pick. Um, and then it's like, okay, everything's going to get really cold. Um, so everyone's going to be wanting to buy heaters and industrial level mm. heating, cooling HVAC systems. Um, and that brings up Carrier Global. They're, they do a great job with home appliances, industrial appliances, heating, HVAC, um, cooling. So they're, they're actually a, a pick if, uh, if we got ended up going to the sun or something like that crazy too <laughs> there was heat that was the problem too i i would uh i would go for carriers well they've got pretty solid um just dynamics around them they've got um decent earnings you know i'd imagine that would take a hit probably in the first quarter after uh, world war three but i'm sure that they'd be able to be able <laughs> in the to... first quarter after <laughs> world war III. i love that um, <laughs> I, i'm pretty confident that they would be able to uh be able to kind of you know, adapt to the situation. They're another company that's kind of all over the place. Um, they're a multinational. So, I mean, I, you could see maybe the, they would uh, be operating in countries that maybe didn't get hit too, um, which that's an interesting question is that, is it World War Three with just theoretically just, you know, the US and maybe Russia and China? Because then there could be some like Chile, like you're talking about the country may not actually get involved at all, which is kind of interesting proposition so it could just right. be there's no there's no actual damage but then you have to worry about the nuclear winter so maybe a, a chilean stock as well but i think carrier global would be my would be my second pick um and then and again that's that's because of the i would say because of the heating necessity because of you're going to need more appliances the, the good thing is is that there's enough people out there who understand electronics that i think I don't think we'd be in a dark age for like that long. Um, enough right. books would survive, I would imagine. I, I think, I think it would be theoretically reasonable to expect that a decent number of people could survive. And I don't think necessarily generating electricity would be a, a huge conundrum. Maybe it would be, but I don't know. So I, my second pick is Carrier Global. For my third pick, I, you know, you got to go with something that at least in my opinion, we, you know, we've got the food products, you know, the general sustenance, we've got the, the kind of necessities of life, cooling or warming people up so they don't freeze to death. But I think another good thing at doing that um, would be a company like InBev. So you got a whole range <laughs> of, of products there that are warming people up that people enjoy. I think alcohol consumption might go up after an apocalyptic scenario like that <laughs> you're just it's just dreary all the time um so good old anheuser-busch inbev ticker bud good old bud um not any necessarily specifically for inbev but i like that they're based in belgium i like that they're not necessarily um they're not just a domestic company they've got operations all over the world um and they've got a decent portfolio of different things. I mean, they're most famous for the beer, of course, but they've I'm pretty sure they've bought out a bunch of liquor brands and a bunch of uh, kind of different markets, up market, down market. 
uh, and pretty well diversified both geographically and product wise. Um, so yeah, those are my, my three picks for nuclear winter apocalyptic scenario. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that was well done. I, I, I feel like it might be kind of hard to stretch to three on some of these. So <laughs> I, uh, I applaud you. I was wondering where you were going to go with the third one. The, the first two okay. definitely made sense, but the third one, I was like, I, I don't know what he's going to pull out of his back pocket now. Well done. Okay. Okay. Now back on to you. I, I mean, oh boy. I, I'm between, between uh, incoming meteor or a zombie apocalypse. I feel like mm. they both have some, some unique, t- I'm, I'm going to say zombie apocalypse. I mean, that's a classic. Like that's, Right. That's just a, everyone, everyone thinks about that. <laughs> okay. Well, first off, I mean, first off the bat, I, and I have not read enough uh, zombie apocalyptic novels or watched enough zombie movies to be an expert in any way on, uh, on all things zombies. But I assume that, uh, that, well, for, for one, I think maybe an obvious choice would be some sort of defense stock but actually i'm gonna i'm gonna go a step further into your uh, scenario here and say we can't actually trust um, a lot of world governments uh to to run Ooh. armies because they're getting infiltrated and so it's kind of i'm, I'm thinking kind of every man for themselves i think that's walking dead okay. kind of thing i haven't seen the walking dead but i'm assuming that's that's kind of the, the scenario um so we're thinking like individuals here so i think some sort of uh, weapons company that that sells to consumers, probably an ammunition company. That's usually a safe bet. So um, I guess I might go with Smith and Wesson. Um, those those are you know classics. Um, Winchester obviously is another classic. Or Remington. I don't even know if Remington is is still around. I think they had a had a bankruptcy. So Smith and Wesson. I'd probably go with them. Uh, ticker SWBI. Um, for my first stock, just because you're going to need uh, personal defense at that point, right? Because um, you're not sure who you can trust and and like what what can be trusted. Can the government be trusted? The armies, the the police force. We don't know. So we're just I'm 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 going with a personal defense stock there. And then <clears throat> I think a, a food company makes sense, but. I don't think just any food company makes sense. It needs to be like kind of longer term because this seems like it might might take a while. This sort of a problem, I assume. Again, I am no uh, expert on zombie apocalypses, but I assume a zombie apocalypse is going to take a while to work itself out. So I, I might say some some sort of food company that works with long term um, long term food storage kind of stuffs so long-term long-term food stuffs so i'm gonna i'm gonna have to uh phone a friend here mr google is gonna have to help me out um (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna google let's see what we have here and this is kind of fun because i i don't even know what uh what um some of these i've never thought of some of these sectors of the of the economy before so this is kind of fun you get to get to look at some specific stocks so let's see here yeah i'm getting a lot of uh getting a lot of um dry foods that's not really what i want 
Uh, Brazil-based meat producer. Who makes Jack Link's beef jerky? That's an interesting. <laughs> ah, there we go. I like I like your I like where you're headed. Jack Link's beef jerky. This is uh, that's actually a better better way to go about it. Let's go with the uh, go with the product and then reverse engineer yourself. Hmm. I like that. Is it one of the crazy big CPG companies like uh Procter it probably it probably is. It's probably Procter and Gamble. They do but just if, about everything. Yeah, of course they uh they hide their hide their name behind everything too. That's always interesting. So you can't necessarily tell if it's if it's them a lot of the times. Like I didn't know Ben and did, yeah. who was that? Nestle too. They're always Yeah. They're in, they're in a lot more products than you think. I always think like, oh, hot chocolate, great. But yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> a lot more than hot chocolate. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not even able to find it. American company. It looks like maybe they're nope. They're Unilever. They're privately owned? No, they're Unilever. Oh, that's the other big one. That's the oh, other okay. huge one. Procter Gamble really, really and one. Unilever. Okay. Oh, no, actually, they were Unilever, and then they got acquired recently in 2019 by Tyson Foods. Oh, Tyson. Okay. Uh, which actually that might be a that might be a good one. That's they've got a lot of um they they're into a lot of like freeze-dried vegetables, I believe. I've seen seen them in uh dried vegetables and stuff. So that might be a pick. So Tyson Foods, actually I'm I am gonna go with that one. What their ticker is. Uh, TSN, New York Stock Exchange, TSN. And then the third one, and this might be kind of off the wall, but there may be um, there may be an opportunity for uh, I guess I'm bending the rules here because this is not technically a uh, a public stock yet. But um, eventually something like a SpaceX or a Virgin Galactic for because there's going to be high demand if Earth is really screwed with a zombie apocalypse, there's going to be high demand to colonize some other planet. So I'm thinking something like a Virgin Galactic or SpaceX or even a, a Blue Origin, all of those are private at the moment. But I guess, you know, if if this is down the road, maybe we assume that uh, they've gone public at some point, as I think they probably will. Um, it seems like we're in the middle yeah. of a new space race. So something in that um, general vicinity, I guess if I had to pick a stock, it would probably be um, probably Boeing or, or something like that, where they're building the, a lot of the engines and parts and components to get a, a shuttle uh, launched up, up into space. Uh, they're not necessarily, you know, engineering the launch, but they're engineering the parts and everything that are going into it. So something like that, like an aerospace uh, an aerospace stock would probably be another choice, which is kind of off the wall and less along the original lines of like, okay, what's going to support the individual. But uh, I think there would be high demand for colonizing another planet uh, that is, that is not our own. And therefore you're going to have to have some sort of space company. I like that. That's an interesting thought. What if, what if the zombie apocalypse is, is what it takes to get, 
humans into uh, to colonize the moon or Mars. That's an interesting, interesting thought. Very interesting. It would be kind of interesting. <laughs> would be. I think I've heard people joke about that already with some of the space companies. Like, oh yeah, we're gonna have to colonize soon. We don't have a. You know, Earth's gonna explode in twenty years. We're gonna have to get out to the moon or Mars or some other planet soon. I don't. I don't buy it necessarily, but. <laughs> And I can't buy the stock. Yeah. Because it's it's private. Um okay. One mm. more one more for Those you. Those are good. Yeah, thank you. One more for you. I think um instead of the meteor, because that was one I was I was gonna do. I think that's a good one. We're gonna go with the the possibility that um we are getting not close to the sun in such a way that we're going to explode or burn, but global temperatures are rising because we are kind of off kilter from our, our, uh, orbitation or orbit, our, our regular, <laughs> our orbitation. I can't, I, I, like I, can't I can't even speak right now. Our regular orbit. <clears throat> and we're, we're getting a little too close to the sun on some of our, our daily rotations or excuse me, our yearly rotations. And, um, and so all of the ice, this is the opposite problem, essentially, all of the ice at the poles is melting and it's going to cover the vast majority of uh, the the surface of the earth that's inhabitable at the moment. Obviously, we know that it, it's something like over, I, I want to say it's like 60% of the, the earth is already water and 40% is land. So if we're going to measure in percentages, let's say it goes down to 10% is inhabitable land. The rest of it's underwater. So the coasts go away. The coasts are now like hundreds of miles inland on most continents. Um, things like New Zealand are just little teeny tiny specks. Um, and, and Hawaii's no longer existent. Um, that just went by and most of the the poor uh in this scenario i guess most of the poor china sea or the 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 south china sea most of their installations went bye-bye and the philippines and uh papua new guinea those are all underwater so these are and, and in the u.s most everything on the coast is gone so most of the big metro areas are gone the uk pretty much all underwater unfortunately um Wow, there's there's <laughs> portions. I love you like, oh, unfortunately, the unfortunately, UK is I mean, gone. yeah, sorry about do? that. <laughs> <laughs> so think like, think elevation here. Yeah, that's the only thing that's, that's saving <laughs> anybody. So pretty pretty rough scenario. Okay. And again, okay. a viewer, if you have a, or listener, if you have a uh, a better grasp on how much water is actually on the planet and what it would look like if it all melted, then. Just suspend your belief, as Mike would say, because <laughs> I'm just making this up as I go along here. So 10 <laughs> percent of the earth. That's all you get for. for Ooh, OK, we're apocalyptic water, apocalyptic heat increase with like out of control greenhouse effect because of all the the everything that's going on. And you get and you get all the ice caps melting. And so the sea level rises that that's kind of the the vibe. Yep. And it okay. happens it in this scenario, it happens slowly. It doesn't all happen like mm, within okay. six months. It's like over two years, but it's, okay. it, it's, I guess, slow and fast on, on one hand. 
Okay. Okay. I mean, so there's the like first... enough time to get worried and really slow and fast. <laughs> so it's slow and fast. Everything happens, you know, slowly and then quickly. <laughs> so I, I I'm just doing a little background research because I think that well the first the first thing that I would imagine would be necessary is is, is fresh water because the problem is right. if if all of the the ice caps melt into the ocean you can't use that for drinking water and of course there'll mm. be lakes there's still plenty of lakes but i think a big problem would be that you would you would lose glacier access for fresh water which is i think where the majority of fresh water is um is locked up in glaciers so let's say you didn't have that an option anymore i mean if the water rises enough maybe the ocean is connecting to those big lakes and all of a sudden you're you're screwed like there's no there's almost no fresh water available um so my first pick would be a company like xylem i think i'm saying that right um it's a water technology company uh ticker xyl uh, that does stuff like pumps meters biological treatment uh and i believe they do a bunch of desalination stuff so i think i think that would actually be a really uh necessary service um and i mean whatever company kind of caught the beginning of that and was the first mover of uh you know maybe even like personal or household based desalination systems for for drinking water could like rule the world it could be the next big uh the big company everyone's everyone almost everyone will likely need that unless you're up in the mountains and you're getting water from the snow caps or something like that right if you're down in the majority of the world you're going to need fresh water and is not probably not going to be a bunch of access to it now another the on the other side you could go for a, a stock uh i'm pretty sure there's a couple early stage startups that are trying to do um rain capture and like moisture capture technology i just don't know that sector super well and i would probably i'd be more apt to in, in the apocalyptic situation invest in a company that's already doing a lot of desalination stuff because you're going to have plenty of plenty of salt water everywhere right um, yeah i think desalination is the easiest probably the most cost effective um and probably the chance for the highest alpha uh, if you can get a good desalination stock so that's my first uh pick is xyl um I, the, the next one i think i think that here's the thing in even in even in an apocalyptic situation as soon as things start to get like as soon as people start to get used to it there's going to be demand for luxury goods. There's always, there's <laughs> always demand for luxury goods. So I like I'm, that. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm going with a, a yacht making company. Uh, I'm, I'm going with, I'm going with uh, some, good pick yacht making company. I, I think there's, um, I don't I'm know where you're going to, I don't know where you're going to dock these yachts, but I mean, well, you could, I mean, you don't need to dock anywhere. You just, sail around and you know eternally <laughs> sail <laughs> um so i'm looking up what are the yacht yacht company stocks Let's yeah see, actually you could biggest yacht company that you, you could, could uh there, there could be some i think i heard of a company that was working on i don't know if they were public or not they were working on large platforms that could be put hmm. together and floated so you could make essentially like a Ooh. like a city like a temporary city so it was for different projects that would be like just off the coast or or things like that, almost like an oil rig, but not such a big installation that you know is like literally hooked to the ocean floor. It was a floating city kind of hmm. scape. So 
that, that I if that's a public company, that would be a cool one because I'm sure that would be a solution that would we'd be looking into as a as a humanity, you know, looks down the barrel of a apocalyptic water scenario. That's a Anyways, great idea. I, I don't know what you found. No, that's that's a good point. If you can get in on uh, pontoon artificial land construction or whatever construction companies China is using to just build islands in the <laughs> South China Sea. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to invest in them. That might be the China Construction Corporation that I think is actually publicly traded, but is state owned by the Chinese government. That'd be but that, weird. That could be a great, that'd be, be a great ticker to grab. But I, I'm seeing... That'd be very um, weird to own. <laughs> there's, there's, a number of, there's a number of smaller yacht companies, relatively small. I mean, you got companies like Marine Max. It's got like a $1 billion market cap. You got Mastercraft Boats, like a half billion. But then you got That's Brunswick. Brunswick, uh, it's got a six, looks like a six over six billion market cap. Um, and they're interested because they do more like propulsion, like the, the, the engines, the propellers, um, and the servicing and things. So that might actually be my second pick is Brunswick Corporation, BC, on the New York Stock Exchange. Um, because you're going to need some, you're going to need a company that's going to be servicing all of these, all of these luxury yachts that, you know, are all, all the people. And it seems like they're probably a pretty good uh, specialty marine company. And I mean, they make the motors for, you know, everyday boats too. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say Brunswick is a, is a pretty solid choice uh, in the, you know, the rising sea level scenario, because you've got, they're making the engines, the propellers, they're making sections of boats um they're making the stuff that a lot of boats are going to need so i'm going to go with brunswick because they're already pretty dominant and who knows where they could go from there if the water levels just start going up so bc uh brunswick corporation my second pick for my third pick it's it's an interesting one because part of me wants to go with something like a really like bleeding edge algae harvesting company or something because farming is going to be very disrupted uh we're going to lose a lot of arable farmland so part of me wants to say you know what kind of aquatic farming company would there be out there and i I don't really know but the problem with picking one aquatic farming company as a ticker is that in a situation like that where it could be a booming environment you never know which company is going to win uh, so my, my brain jumps from that to saying, okay, well, what's the simplest way to be getting food in a big ocean is fishing. Um, so, so I think I'm looking at biggest fishing, fishing stocks. Um, ah, and that just shows, the, <laughs> that just shows the, the stocks of fish in specific lakes <laughs> around the world. <laughs> you know, that happened with me when I, when I, <laughs> When I went to type in food, uh, like long-term food storage stocks, it was just like, oh, like stocks of food. Like you're going to stock your shelves. Yeah. Like, All right. The English language, imprecise yet again. <laughs> you got to love it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So here we go. So we've got, um, okay. So we've got a couple interesting choices. We got a company called Maui. Maui. Uh, one of the largest. Wow. Estimated 25 to 30% share of the global salmon and trout market. Holy uh, that's, cow. That's, that's pretty impressive. That's really impressive. Uh, <laughs> that's, that, oh, and it's, it says that they're, they're trying to use intelligent sensors through smart farming concepts. 
That, that, that sounds like a mean. bunch of jargon to say we're trying three... to invent some stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they got a 3.4% dividend yield. That's not bad at all. Um, that's pretty good. Okay, I'm thinking I'm ticker M-O-W-I, Maui, Maui. Um, I think that's pretty diversified. You got... Where are they based? Uh, let's, let's see. Let's see. Of course, here. of course. If if they're really good at their under, if they're really good at their fish farming technology, maybe they'll just have an underwater headquarters. Oh, that would be cool. That'd be kind of that'd be kind of well, wild. The headquarters like, might just become underwater uh, accidentally, <laughs> yeah, well, but it, that, it might work. You know? That also, they could just yeah. yeah you just hermetically also. seal the building, have a capsule up in the top, and you just go up like. That'd be, be kind of cool. They're, well, they're in Oslo. They're traded on the Oslo Boers Exchange. Uh, okay, interesting. interesting. Maybe there's an ADR on them or something. Yeah, maybe OTC might be able to uh, grab them somehow. But yeah, I think that's uh, I think it's pretty good. You know, because I, I I would hesitate in, in a lot of these apocalyptic scenarios. I would hesitate to go for the really the really new companies that are trying to you know, trying to make their way in the world because you never know what, you never know what's going to happen. You never know who's going to be the big player in industry, especially an apocalyptic industry situation. Right. Yeah. I would kind of tend more conservatively towards the companies that are already doing a lot of things and have very spread out operations, but yeah, especially if you're going to try and hold them for, you know, three to five years, you're going to want it to have some. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) A a lot of stuff. Yeah, not just some new technology that's all on debt and could be literally underwater in this scenario. <laughs> literally and figuratively. I'm sorry, I had to, I had to put that pun in there some somehow. I had to sneak it in. <laughs> so so okay. So my 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 last one for you. And I think this is our, our last one. We'll maybe take a few minutes too to discuss our our findings overall. Um, but my last one would be an alien invasion. And, but this, but I don't want to go like, if you've seen the movie Independence Day, that's yeah, a yeah, 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 yeah. classic. I, I'm not that far. They're not, <laughs> they're not that like, they're not that technologically advanced where they can just blow up like big cities in, in one, one shot. This is okay. more of like a slow, I would say this is more of a slow, like solar system wide invasion where like NASA is able to detect that. Okay. this this like group of craft that's coming into the solar system from far away. They're, you know, maybe they're not, they're not the same aliens who visited Roswell and are, you know, maybe very advanced. (laughs) They're they're kind of a less advanced civilization. They're, they're kind of, they don't have faster than light travel. Let's say maybe it's it's a a group from like a billion years ago. So they're not like, it's not, the technological difference is not so ridiculously high that like humanity is just doomed. It's almost more of a, like a Star Trek style situation where, we're definitely we're very much the underdogs, but it, it's like it's going to be a, a a war of attrition where you know there's going to be solar system wide conflict um, that will force innovation and um, you know maybe humanity survives maybe it, maybe it doesn't win the war but but like it's not the incredibly pitched battle um, in some science fiction. It's more of a you know, we're definitely b- behind by probably a couple hundred years, but maybe we can get some of their technology and, and use it to, against them. So so kind of a slow burn alien invasion, if, if that makes sense. Okay. This is an interesting one. Um, I thought you were actually going to go for the, the meteor idea. and uh, I was, and then I was like, ah, I don't know. It's, 
That's I, I have some interesting I, one and done. Uh, yeah. Well, about okay. Well, uh, I have one stock that's just fun to fun to throw out there. I would either buy Fossil or Warby Parker uh, and have a meteor <laughs> strike because everybody's gonna want. How much some time sunglasses. do you have left? Well, everybody's gonna want some sunglasses because it's gonna oh, be pretty bright. Okay. And and you know, at least enjoy the last <laughs> few minutes of your life with some good eyesight. So, anyways, <clears throat> um. That aside, I, I had to mention that one. Um, I think probably now is the time where a big, a big, uh, like, space, uh, a big defense company makes sense, but specifically one that has a lot of experience with space and shooting things in space. Um, and I say that specifically because uh, I'm thinking Aerojet Rocketdyne, which is still they they had a merger that almost happened. They're almost bought out by, I think, Lockheed, and then that didn't go through. So a AJRD, um, they were actually, the they they produced the engines for the Apollo 11 mission. So they have some, some like, real space, some NASA experience. Um, they're a very stable old company. Um, but they also have been working on um, technology to shoot other missiles down midair. So they're they're one of the uh, the companies working on a lot of um, technology for hopefully for for the the U.S. and our, our own uh, our own defenses. But they're they're working on technology to basically shoot stuff down midair. So and I'm thinking if there's any sort of galactic battle where there's you know fire raining down on the Earth, we're gonna need some of that sort of technology because we can't totally just like wrap the Earth in a shield. Um, that doesn't seem quite like it would work. So there would have to be some sort of defense system where we can shoot things down as, as they're entering the atmosphere and, and we're, we're trying to defend ourselves, even if they are, you know, a civilization that's not as, um, as technologically advanced, I would imagine they have some sort of projectile capabilities um, for sure. So that would probably be the first one. Um, and then the next one would, would have to be some sort of, like surveillance slash um, maybe I've been hearing a lot of uh, like video AI um, solutions where tech, like basically cameras can be turned into um, or large amounts of camera data can, can be turned into an, an, a piece of AI that can basically analyze way more than a human could and then identify certain um, either people or license plates or um, like situations happening, maybe a crime happening or something like that. I think that sort of a surveillance, um, a surveillance stock like that would be very helpful um, in this scenario because you may have, they, they may have the capability. I feel like this is in every sci-fi where like an alien could come and morph into a human and like trick the humans. So if they're not as technologically advanced, right. they might yeah. be, yeah, they might have shape-shifting capabilities. So I don't, do you have any, uh, do you have any kind of thoughts on who does that? I know there's some, some AI companies that are private that are doing that sort of a thing, but uh, maybe, maybe like a ring sort of company. Um, Google or, must, Google must be doing that at this point. I gotta be. Oh, you know, with their, you they have those Waymo something. cars. I'm yeah. sure they're doing something yeah. with, um, 
with video. I'm sure there's a Chinese stock that. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> some Chinese company definitely doing that. <laughs> I'm sure there is. So okay, we'll we'll go with Google then. That's kind of an, an obvious choice. Um, we'll go with Google then. Um, so I'm gonna also imagine that. Yeah, we're probably gonna have. It's so easy to go for the the, the obvious ones with basically defense and then food because uh, I think food would be another another good one here. Um, but actually, I'm gonna go in a different direction. I would uh, this company probably would do fine with with food as well. But uh, uh, I believe I believe they have some exposure to food. Anyways, Kimberly Clark, because the last time we had an apocalyptic event happen, people freaked out. And really wanted toilet paper. And Kimberly Clark makes a lot of <laughs> toilet paper. So I think they're KMBL. Uh, let me look that up. Kimberly Clark. That is a very good point. <laughs> K KMB. So you you sometimes I I wouldn't have thought toilet paper would have been a big big deal, but I mean, goodness gracious, everyone knows. And when when COVID was happening, that was a a crazy crazy shortage. So. People act very irrationally. That's why I liked your spam pick from the first one. People act very irrationally when it comes to these uh, apocalyptic scenarios. And especially if it's like a slow moving one like this, where we identify it as, as a threat. It's way out there. We're getting ready to defend Earth. We got to have some, you know, some some capabilities to shoot up into space. OK, we've got that. And then we've, we've got to have uh, some some capabilities to surveil in case they get through our defenses but then, of course, in all of this, you're going to have people freaking out and and making irrational decisions. So I you think some sort of consumer to, product to like that would be good. You, know, you got to have those. <laughs> oh my gosh! Too. Well, I mean, it would be quite frightening. I'll I'll just say that I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure it would be quite frightening to hear that uh, we're being attacked by aliens that are billions billions of years old. That would be uh, quite the. I, I don't know how I would receive that. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> wow. I like it. Those are, those are, those so are there you have it. I do think that in all of this, like the, the, uh, the hard to pick stock, but the best one that would see a, at least a short term gain um, would be those irrational picks because you'll, you'll see, you know, high demand for something that you're like, what? This doesn't make any sense. So, because we're not as nearly as rational creatures as we think we are. Um, so, I think that's why it's it's fun to take a, a random kind of a random pick there, a little shot in the dark with uh, with Kimberly Clark there. Which yeah, hey, I like rhymes. That. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's that that they make so many paper goods too. I mean, that you could like I don't know. I feel like there's there's the toilet paper angle, the tissue angle, any yeah, tissue, uh, yeah, and, and some food, you know, like that's yeah, that's a that's a good one. <laughs> maybe maybe the aliens secretly love toilet paper, and so we can we can like, there you go get them to not fight with us by trading them all the Kimberly Clark toilet paper, and then you then you make a ton of money off the stock. There we go. That would be quite the that'd be quite the turn. But sounds like you need to write a novel, is what it sounds like, Mike. <laughs> I can see a, a new space trilogy coming from uh, Mr. <laughs> Michael J. O'Connor. TP Wars. <laughs> TP. <laughs> Instead of, uh, it's like the movie Spaceballs. 
Have you yeah, seen that? that's yeah. hilarious. The spoof on Star Wars. This is like a this is like a, a novel spoof on on Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, at I'm this sure there's point, a market. I'm sure there is, and I mean, at this point, we've gotten. 12 tickers, right? Would you, would you, we have each <laughs> come up with six tickers. Yeah. So if you, I feel like if you buy all 12 of these stocks, you have the, the ultimate diversified apocalyptic portfolio. <laughs> not financial advice, but it's definitely not financial advice. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I guess you're prepared for everything from an alien invasion to the ice caps melting. So I, that doesn't have a, have you covered. I don't know what will. Maybe that bunker in the backyard, but that's not going to help you with the with melting ice caps or aliens slowly coming in. Maybe it will. Maybe they don't have very good eyesight. They can't. I was going to say it depends on how smart they are. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Well, I think uh, I think we've we've learned today that um, you can take a couple different approaches: the rational approach and the, the irrational approach. I think they're both very applicable, and uh, I I think it's been a, a fun. Fun way to have a kind of a, a, a tongue-in-cheek conversation about things we've joked about in, in previous episodes because it is it beyond the defense stocks. It's kind of fun to think about. Oh well, yeah, you'd probably need like you'd probably need some toilet paper if it was a meteor. Maybe people would really want sunglasses. I mean, <laughs> there's some funny angles here. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's it's interesting to think about those because. Like you kind of mentioned, I mean, those are often the stocks that just go crazy in an actual, not apocalyptic, but bad scenario. I mean, look at Zoom with COVID and there's so there's so right. many specific like, quote unquote, COVID stocks that went crazy. I mean, that created a whole new sector of, you know, remote work was around a little bit before, but you have these situations that create entire segments of the market that you wouldn't have expected which is just fascinating to see and think about so does that does that uh take us back now that we're out of not now that we're out of you know battle planning or, or war gaming these scenarios out um does that take us back to the uh the the thought of well maybe you should just buy the the entire market then if if there's going to be large-scale <laughs> innovation in multiple different sectors and and you know ways that you can't necessarily predict maybe maybe i just buy the entire market no i, I refuse to, <laughs> i refuse to acknowledge that <laughs> all right good try right. nice try though austin nice, that nice was try. <laughs> i was really going for it i mean yeah anybody who's listened to a few of these episodes knows that i very much uh take the lazy approach and just buy index funds most of the time and Mike is very vehemently opposed to, to passive investing <laughs> or index funds uh, for the most part. You, I mean, you think some sector funds that are. Yeah, I, I personally own a couple. I own that. like a, a gold mining fund and a right. junior gold mining fund. But I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think we'll ever we'll ever uh, totally agree on this, but I think it's it's good to have the 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 conversation in a slight you know jab in the ribs every once in a while too yeah exactly <laughs> exactly all right folks well i hope you've enjoyed this uh, kind of more satirical approach uh, on this episode but this has been another episode of the long run show um if you would please kindly leave a uh, rating review unless it's a bad one just don't leave a bad one one star don't even worry about it just just move on <laughs> don't worry move about it. just yeah just scroll <laughs> away tap away swipe away whatever whatever you gotta do anyways this has been another episode of the Long Run Show with Austin Wilson and Michael J. O'Connor. 
we'll catch, catch you up. next time. Oh, <laughs> we both. <laughs> Here we can. You can just We're say both, we'll catch you next yeah, time, and then you'll we'll go. catch you next time. <laughs>